This is KSL's Religion Today, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner, on KSL News Radio. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Glad you're there listening. Today, I am excited to have in studio three scholars who have been involved in the Joseph Smith Papers Project for many, many years. Ron Esplin, Brent Rogers, Garrett Dirkmat. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you here. Glad to be with you. We're here today to talk about a new volume that's out about Brigham Young and also a new project. The Joseph Smith Journals Project has taken a long time, and people have seen that as a monumental project, and it is. But the one that you're about to undertake is even more vast. Ron, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about how this project came about and what it is. This is kind of the Brigham Young Papers Project and where it's going to go. And then we'll have Garrett and Brent, both of you, chime in and help. Let me begin by saying something about scale. The Joseph Smith Papers uh, has a few hundred letters. If you stack all of the incoming outgoing together, for Brigham Young, we have 10,000 outgoing and 30,000 plus incoming, plus hundreds and hundreds of telegrams. And the question was, how do we get our arms around a project that large when it took us 22 years to do the Joseph Smith Papers, which is much smaller? No one can fault the church for not being excited about jumping into this mass uh, of materials and trying to do the same thing on the same scale. So we decided that we would advance the project by forming a foundation on the outside, the Brigham Young Center Foundation, supported by outside funding, so that we could begin the great project of the Brigham Young Papers. Only a small part of it will be in print. That will include all the journals, one of the volumes of which we're talking about today, and much of the rest will be online. And not only the papers online, but a lot of resources for understanding Brigham Young and his world. Garrett, why don't you tell us, tell our listeners where the project is right now? And the three of you are obviously the integral part of this, but there are others who are involved in the project yeah, the as most, well. Yeah, uh, the most essential part of the project, obviously, is, is Ron Esplin, who uh, has, uh, I think, from the first day I was hired to work on the Joseph Smith Papers, uh, part of what he said was, you know, we're going to eventually work on Brigham Young's journals, too. Um, uh, and so this is something that obviously has been a lifelong uh, dream for Ron and that he's put so much effort into. And so we're at the the early stages. You know, the Brigham Young Center Foundation is is formed and, and uh, has a website. And this is the first uh, product that has come to print, but there are other resources that are on the web. So the idea is this is the first of four uh, four editions of the journal series that cover Brigham Young's journals um, and uh, a second, third, and fourth to follow. Brent, tell our listeners, this: if somebody wants to look at your website, it's BrighamYoungCenter.org or BYCenter.org, and, and tell people maybe a little bit about what you do there and, and about where the project is right now. 
Well, I've been fortunate to know Ron Esplin for about 12 years now. He and Jeff Walker hired me to work on the Joseph Smith papers back in uh, 2011, in September of 2011. And I guess they thought I did some pretty good work because when this... Uh, when you when did what, four volumes? Of the Joseph Smith papers? Yes. I've, I've worked on six, six. Uh, volumes okay. of the Joseph Smith papers and currently serve as the managing historian for that project. But uh, when Ron started the foundation, the Brigham Young Center Foundation, with this goal to get access and insights into Brigham Young in a way that we had been working to make Joseph accessible and available to everybody, um, we started talking and he approached me with the idea of, hey, we need uh, some good scholars to work on this project to get something out that is uh, usable for members and scholars alike and so I've been uh, at work on this volume since uh, 2017 and chipping away at it in my off hours and, uh, you know, doing the transcription verification and researching and writing various aspects of annotation to provide information so that people can uh, read these journals, get insights into Brigham Young, his his personality. These are the earliest journals. This first volume is the earliest of his personal journals and provides a unique look into his heart and mind as he uh, endeavors on this journey to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ and then to to teach it to others and to eventually become the leader of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and leader of the church. What is the scope of these four books these these four initial ones that that have Brigham Young's journals in them what what i mean people will say oh yeah it's his journals but what what do we find in those journals the uh current volume the current volume is the uh presentation with very careful documentation and annotation of the pre-utah journals which includes his three handwritten journals the rest of the journals are Utah-era journals, starting in 1850 and going into the early 1860s, after which he kept no journal in his office. For whatever reason, they just stop. So there will only be four volumes. But the first volume is, as Brent alluded to, so important because it's the only things written in his own hand that get to his heart and mind during this period and help us understand who he was and who he was becoming. People tend to do things a little bit differently if they write something down themselves as opposed to dictating it. And that's something that would be very obvious to, to you three scholars who have seen that with Joseph Smith and others. But a lot of people, I think, may not grasp that. And, and that's an important point. Joseph, I, I assume the, the, the way the journals are written and maybe the, the subject matters would vary significantly from handwritten to, to those that were dictated. Yeah. Um, Brigham Young, much like Joseph Smith, is going to endeavor to keep his own journal. And when you're keeping your own journal, you you know what you mean by the note that you put in there. When you go back, <laughs> oh, I know what, what that one letter means. Um, it, and so you, you tend, when people are keeping their own journals, to get a little bit more Maybe sometimes choppy, much more succinct. A little more cryptic. Sometimes more <laughs> cryptic. Uh, just like Joseph Smith, uh, eventually Brigham Young is going to have his own secretaries who are then going to start keeping his journals for him. So in this volume, most of it 
are Brigham Young's own, what we call in the field, holographic journals. So they're written in his own hand. Um, but at the end, you will see a very marked shift mm. from him keeping the journal himself to his several secretaries that he will have that will be keeping uh, the journal for him. And so there, there is, you can actually see the difference in the detail that's covered. Um, and, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the secretary doesn't happen to be with him and the journal is silent because the secretary's not there. And that's who's the person keeping the keeping the journal. There you go. So what beyond the journals? Well, b- before we leave the journals, if somebody wants to get a copy of book one of the journals of the four for Brigham Young, how would they do that? Where would they go? I think the best place for them to go is uh, Deseret Book. In any of the Deseret Book stores that I've been to uh, recently, there are already copies on the shelves, DeseretBook.com. Um, and then, you know, if we can, you know, say and talk about Amazon, I guess that's a place that you can get them <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, and that they're, they would be ready to ship right away. May I say one other thing about the journals? Of course, please. Uh, The journals have been accessible to scholars for a very long time. I've used them. I've known about them. I've been baffled by them. Baffled in what sense? Baffled because they're cryptic. They're short. (laughs) There's references to people, places, and events that we can hardly decipher. After these two consummate historians have dug into the sources and sorted out and Ron's the enigmas. pointing to either side of him for Brent and Garrett. So, yeah. yes. It's good that he's okay. not just pointing to himself. That's okay. right. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, uh, everybody can have access to the journals in a way I, as a scholar, could not earlier because we have sorted out most of the mysteries of his cryptic and short entries, especially the earlier entries that are shorter. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. This is Religion Today in Studio with Ron Esplin, with Brent Rogers, and Garrett Dirkmat. We'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner, your host. Religion Today with host Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio. We're back. This is our second segment of Religion Today. In studio, I'm pleased to have Ron Esplin, Garrett Dirkmat, Brent Rogers, who are here to talk about an amazing new project, which is much like the Joseph Smith Papers project in some ways and quite different in others. This is the Brigham Young Papers project. During our last segment, we were talking about the four journals and how if you would like a copy, go to Deseret Book. You could also get them online. Although, hey, if you have a Deseret Book plug, book close, uh, please, 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 or go to their website. Let's talk during this segment here a bit about, first of all, the content in, in major categories of the rest of the paper, so people will know what's coming up. The journals here today, what do they look for tomorrow? And, and hey, if, if the Joseph Smith papers took as long as they did, what's the sort of hope for timeline, which, of course, will change. No, nobody could predict the future that well. But what, what are you looking at? We're looking at decades before we can have our arms around the Brigham Young papers the way we need to have them. Uh, my hope is to get it well-founded and I'll move on. Uh, the website presently is a placeholder, but we have transcribers transcribing hundreds of letters and eventually, beginning, I hope, next year, we'll have some major content available so people can read the letters 
in easy transcriptions as well as linked to the images so they can see the letters in real real life. The hope is that we can get our arms around all of the letters over the next decade and make them available online. Beyond the letters, there's many other things and there's no way to predict how long it might take and how many of those things we can do. I will say about the letters that most of these are written by his scribes and written in his office. Out of all of his 10,000 letters, only 95 so far have been identified as his own hand. Hmm. And so we will publish a volume that has all of his own personal writings in one volume. The rest will probably just be online. My personality uh, perception of Brigham Young changed dramatically when years ago I read his letters to his children. Uh, He's just a remarkable man and a lot more warm, I, I think, than many people understand. I would just add that we're really excited about this first volume being finished to allow people access to Brigham to read his words that he wrote in his journal and the work that we've done to annotate and contextualize and to help provide some understanding and and to fill in some gaps in places. The content is really about Brigham's missionary efforts. He goes uh, from the earliest days after he's baptized to neighboring towns in New York. And, you know, he might write an entry as simple as walked 15 miles. Um, But maybe what we are able to do is describe what that 15 miles looked like, what the town was like that he went to, who were some of the people that he interacted with. Um, There's a lot of great content in there about his, his first mission with the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. The first time he goes overseas to England, you get um, an insight into what he's teaching at various points. Uh, he makes little references to gospel topics and even scriptures that he's quoting as he's teaching. Um, and the thing that I love most about the content is when he references his family. And there's a lot of uh, entries interspersed throughout. He doesn't write frequently about his daughters or his children or his, his wife, Marianne. Um, but when he does, they're, they're really poignant and tender. And we, we try to do a lot to talk about what is the family experiencing while he's away on these missions. And then as you get into the, the years when he's more settled in Nauvoo, uh, there's, there's other aspects of the content that comes in as he's taking over the, you know, the leadership of the church after Joseph Smith's death. And so the, the content in this volume is really um, beautiful in that it helps you to really understand Brigham kind of coming of age and coming uh, to himself in understanding his role as a leader in the church. These volumes, I, I will say, are extremely high quality. This, this is Joseph Smith papers quality. This is great stuff. This, and one of the things that it, it if our listeners haven't seen the Joseph Smith papers, this isn't just a transcription of, of something. In these journals, you will see commentary, background, information to help you understand what the content really means, which is, Brent, what, what you were alluding to just now. Describe for our listeners what they're going to get when they open a, a volume beyond just the words from the journal so they'll have an idea of that i think that's one of the one of the main points of this type of scholarly annotation is helping things that would otherwise seem you know perhaps uninteresting or unclear helping people understand what's really being said i mean 
I, I can think to a, an entry where, you know, what Brigham has in his journal is that he, he went to the big field and took dinner. Well, that, that means essentially nothing to anyone. I mean, I mean, I guess Brigham <laughs> likes to eat meals in big fields. I mean, why, why are we talking about this? Well, what does the annotation explain? The annotation explains to the reader, well, the big field association is this, it's a farming cooperative in Nauvoo that's farming over 4,000 acres outside of Nauvoo. It's a big deal. And there there was this celebratory dinner that was held, and there were hundreds of people that attended. So you wouldn't get that from just reading the, the, the entry. The entry, all right, so you wouldn't have dinner. It was nice outside. That sounds great. Suddenly you get this better understanding of, well, look at this cooperative effort to try to produce together that is still that that part of Zion that is part of what 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 Brigham Young is is maintaining uh, at the time of his leadership in the church. That's that's a great example. Thank thank you. We have three, about three minutes here. Talk about Brigham Young and and his personality. What what have you learned through this about his personality, or what would you like to share to our listeners about Brigham Young that? they may not know about what kind of a guy he really was. Uh, For me, um, one of the things that comes out um, from studying Brigham's personal writings and his journals is just how, I mean, for lack of a better term, how desperately devoted to Joseph Smith that he is. He, He is absolutely committed. I mean, it takes him a little while to join the church, but once he puts his hand to that plow, he, he is not looking back. And so there is a, a a a quiet and then sometimes loud tenacity, and it's certainly something he votes with his feet. I mean, he is not just saying, I believe. He is constantly, as these journals indicate, going on missions. And, and after Joseph's death, the most important thing to him is that whatever Joseph taught is what we are going to do. We're not going to do what's easy. We're going to do whatever Joseph taught. Other comments about Brigham's personality? I would say the thing that I have taken away the most from this is just the complete, the more holistic view of Brigham Young that I have uh, based on my study of him and his life and his world. I think sometimes, uh, especially now, people think of him as a caricature, as you know, they heard somebody say something from one snippet of a sermon or discourse that he said, and that's Brigham Young. But he's a human. He's a complete and well-rounded human who cares and loves for his family and who cares and loves for the gospel. Um, and that's something that is has stuck out to me from my study of Brigham Young. And that's often obscured because of the way he chose to speak in public, where he used militant language, where he used hyperbole and exaggeration. He talked, for example— uh, in ways that would make you think that he was a violent man, but you'll never find him involved in violence. He always found a way short of bloodshed to solve the problems. In Nauvoo, when it looked like there was going to be a clash and the Nauvoo Legion was going to be involved, his motto was, I'd rather suffer wrong than do wrong. Mm. And he pulled it all back. That's great. And so if we could get beyond his rhetoric, which was pretty flashy, hyperbole for a point, uh, we see a man that's, as Brett said, well-rounded, a fully formed, engaged, and deeply religious movement that he was fully committed to. 
Gentlemen, it's been such a pleasure and an honor to have you here in studios at KSL to, to talk about Brigham Young and this wonderful Brigham Young Papers project. Those of you who are listening, please go to BrighamYoungCenter.org. Take a look at the project and consider picking up the first volume of the Brigham Young Journals. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. Join me again next week.